The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. As you know, the church is facing a great task. Uh, the church of today, uh, there's a great task. And uh, we know what our, what our goal is, by the way. Let me, just, let me just give you this this morning, and I promise I'll be as short as I can. And, and I want to give you this message, but I don't want you to miss it for anything. I want you to hear this this morning. And uh, we've got a great task before us. Uh, I'm thankful for our past, aren't you? I'm thankful for our history. I'm thankful for what the Lord has allowed us. I'm not, uh, not going to be one of those guys that's bitter at the past. Uh, I, I'm thankful uh, the people to me that were before me had it harder than I did. They had less to work with. They accomplished more, and they whined less. I really believe that. Uh, I believe the pioneers uh, of the faith, uh, they did a great job. They blazed the trail for us. It took some fortitude. It took some strength. It took some men that were just not willing to, uh, to cave, if you would, to compromise and all these other things in our day. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys in my generation that are just bitter at the past, and I'm thankful for my past. I really am. I'm thankful for what God's done in our history. I don't think we need to say, well, they were all perfect. Were they perfect? No. Were we perfect? No. Will we ever be perfect? No. And those that come after us could say the same thing and criticize us for how imperfect we were. But the truth of the matter is, is we're not focused on that. We're focused on God's work. We're focused on what God is doing. In other words, I understand something, that as a pastor, God is going to use me in spite of myself, not because of myself. Uh, God is going to use you in spite of yourself, not because of yourself. In a sense of, we're not the reason, God is the reason. We're not the strength, God is the strength. We're not the purpose, God is the purpose. Uh, He is our all in all, He's our everything, He's the reason why we do what we do. Not with eye service as what? Men pleasers, but as servants of the Lord doing the will of God from the heart. And we've got to be busy today because the task before us is a hard one. Don't we have adversaries? Sure we do. And by the way, they haven't changed. It's still the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are adversaries. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We understand. But I know that enemy, uh, public enemy number one in my life is me. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the same thing with you. I've got my flesh to wrestle with every day. It's weak, and uh, it it, it is uh, flawed. And it would cause uh, me to uh, not accomplish what God would have us to accomplish. I understand that there's times where I've got to tell myself, no, how about you? I just got to say, no, you're not going to get your way. You're not going to seek comfort. I I pray that all the time, God, help me not to get too comfortable. Come on, you with me? God, help me not to get too comfortable. Sometimes that's our enemy. It's complacency. We're comfortable. I mean, we like to just put our feet up and just kind of sit back and let other people do things sometimes. and, And by the way, there's times for rest. There's times for relaxation, and there's times to rejuvenate and renew yourself spiritually. But don't spend so much time doing that. People sometimes spend more time doing those things than they do actually working and uh, spiritually. And we've got to be busy. And I I believe that busyness is not spirituality, but I believe spiritual people are busy. You with me? Uh, It's not spirituality to be busy, but spiritual people are busy. The Bible says that there's going to come a time when no man can work. We've got to be busy. Was Jesus busy about the Father's business? Sure, he was. Is he our example to follow? Yes, uh, he is. And uh, so we don't see laziness in Christ. We don't see complacency in Christ. We don't see uh, lackadaisical attitude about the mission of God uh, in Jesus Christ. We see uh, a man who set his face like a flint to do the work of God and was undeterred by those that 
uh, try to hinder him from uh, his duties. And, you know, this passage points out some uh, very uh, precious information for those committed to see that the Lord's work is done in the church. I'm thankful for all that we've seen, and and really it's a whirlwind, um, uh, what we've seen happen in the last three years. God has done some great things, and by the way, he's done it over the decades here in the church as well. Uh, But I'm just saying that in the context of my experience, I've been here three years, and I've been amazed to see what God has done uh, in the last three years. And by the way, I'm not just talking about physical things. I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about people being saved, lives being changed, uh, people busying themselves and being discipled and uh, wanting to disciple and lead other people to Christ. Uh, I don't want to just be busy doing my checklist. I want God to create the checklist, if you would, for the church and us to say that it's not just a checklist, it's a mission and that we've got to be busy about it. And I want to keep at the forefront what God told us to keep at the forefront. You with me? We're not changing the mission. We don't need new methods. We need new men. We need better men, not better methods. And the method is the same. Go, win, baptize, teach. And uh, by the way, who in the house of God is not supposed to be involved in that process? We all are. All of us are supposed to be engaging, and we should be going. We should be winning. We should be baptizing. We should be teaching others. And we're supposed to be involved in that process and thankful that we can do that here in this local New Testament church. Some of you are a product of the last uh, three years of ministry. And by the way, uh, this is fruit that abounds to all of our account. I hope you understand that. You've given, you've labored, you've served. You may not have personally uh, opened the Bible and led the person to Christ, but you uh, get to have that fruit to your account, if you would, because you've invested in a local New Testament church. And I'm thankful. Come on, listen, think about this. Uh, we, had, uh, we had several men, one of them sitting here this morning. Do you mind if I poke you at you for a second, Ron? Uh, uh, you're here. Uh, Ron uh, was a contractor that worked in Project 220. He's sitting here as a result of the work of God in his heart and his life. And uh, by the way, I'm thankful that we did Project 220 for Ron and Donna. Are you with me? Uh, I'm thankful for uh, people that got saved because, and by the way, to me, that's what it's all about. It's not about the walls. It's not about the paint. It's not about the padding or the nice hoops and the nice floor, although all that stuff was great. And I think of, we had that uh, tournament, 29 precious souls uh, coming to Christ. You see, isn't that all worth it? It's worth it for one lost soul. It's worth it for one person plucked from the fire. But you see, our investments are greater than in a physical building. It's not about the buildings. It's what about what happens inside the walls. You understand? And uh, Nehemiah was not so much concerned about the wall as he was is what the wall represented. As he was is what the wall was going to protect. As he was is what the wall was going to represent. And, and by the way, when the walls were torn down, it showed defeat to the people of God. We're not defeated, are we? Uh, We shouldn't sit around and be defeated Christians. Boy, the devil would love for us to live defeated lives. And we see the work of God that's before us, but it takes a commitment. And boy, I'm just passionate about it. And the truth of the matter is, is I'm not going to let a lack of participation on my part or anybody else's part keep me from being passionate about Christ. There are enough churches in America right now with pastors that are not passionate that are, not, that are not involved, that are not busy. And by the way, they're a dime a dozen, and people can find them anywhere if they want a place to go to where nothing's really happening. But in the truth of the matter is, I don't want to be that church. And I, I, I want to be part of a church that's really engaged in the work of God. And I'm thankful for uh, the people of God here in this place that God has brought in because He builds His church, not me and not you. 
He is the one that gives the increase. We preach. We're, we're, we're busy doing what God's called us to do, but doesn't He give the increase? And I really believe this. Why should God give us any more if we're not willing to be good stewards of what He gives us? If God gives us something, He wants to steward, us, steward it well, and that means people too. Uh, God doesn't have to give us any more people if we're not going to steward the people we have. If we get busy discipling people when they come in, you know what I'm saying? I mean, really being involved in their lives. Not just talking about, hey, good to see you on Sunday and I'll see you next Sunday, but in a sense of we're involved in people's lives. We're really busy uh, wanting to see this next generation impacted for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I want to say, number one, uh, to the committed, there's dangers around them. There's dangers around them. Do you, you see this in the passage in verses 1 through 3? Uh, there was all kinds of dangers that were around them, were there not? I mean, number, n- number one danger that I see here uh, is criticism. You say, is that a big danger? I think that it is. I, I think critics often cause people to quit. And I'm, I'm, I'm sad for that, but the truth of the matter is, is if we get busy doing anything that's good, if we move forward, there will always be critics. By the way, in anything that you do, if you have a business and, 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 and you're launching forward, moving forward, there's going to be critics. There's going to be people that oppose. If you let the first critic keep you from doing what God's put in your heart to do, you'll never accomplish it. You know, and by the way, sometimes it's even people that are supposed to be friends, even uh, fellow Christians that can be critics. But in a sense, we understand we're not here to criticize one another. We're here to provoke one another to love and good works. We're here to consider one another. And uh, the enemies of Israel mocked and ridiculed the work that they were attempting to do, you might as well face it any time you're determined to do something for God. There'll always be those ready to criticize what you do. Uh, Dale Carnegie said this, any fool can criti- criticize, condemn, and complain, and most of them do. The truth of the matter is, is uh, that's, that's what happens. Uh, there's people busy uh, uh, criticizing, condemning, and complaining. I see a danger of criticism in verses 1 through 3. I also see a danger of cr- conspiracy. Don't you see that in these verses here? They were conspiring. The Bible says they conspired against us. There's a conspiracy of that's here. Their enemies plotted and planned how they might bring about their demise. What does the Bible say about the devil? He says, a roaring lion, what's he doing? Seeking whom he may devour. Let me share something with you, husbands and wives. The devil is conspiring against your marriage. The devil has uh, created a world to conspire against your family. Uh, and if you don't, if you're not committed to the right things biblically, those things are going to fall apart. They will. And uh, uh, the system is in place. The devil's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He's not God. He's not everywhere. He's not bothering all of us. But there is a system that's in this world that's in place. It's been laid for thousands of years because of sin, and it's contrary to God, is it not? The Bible says the world is anti-Christ. We know that the Antichrist one day is going to come, but the world itself is anti-Christ. In other words, the world that we live in, he set up the prince of the power of this air, the, the, the devil who, that is Lucifer, the Bible says. He's a real enemy. He's there. He's conspired against the work of God. Uh, why would he bother? Why would he bother to, to uh, unrest anyone that's not busy doing anything? <laughs> the devil doesn't want to wake up a Christian that's already asleep. He's just, if you're sleeping, he don't want to bother you. You're not, you're not doing anything anyway. Let me just leave them alone. But you know what? When we start getting busy doing what we're supposed to do, be prepared for opposition. Can I say this? If you're newly saved and you're a new Christian, don't think that it's going to be all, you know, ease and there won't be any opposition. There's going to be a lot of opposition. If you're a new Christian, you know, a lot of times new Christians get away from church and they fall into false teaching and they get involved or they even get 
sometimes uh, they, they say, well, everything was uh, great when I first was saved, but now I'm really able to see what the church is. And, you know, there's a bunch of people in here, and they're, they're not really all of what I thought that they were. Can I, can I tell you, we're all just lost sinners, <laughs> and Jesus saved us, and we're not perfect. And if you're looking for sinless perfection inside the church, you're never going to find it. But the truth of the matter is, is we're not enemies. We're friends. We're here to encourage each other, to help each other. And let's not be each other's critics or be each other's uh, antagonists. You know, the worst thing that sometimes I feel is, uh, I like when I can get up and preach and I've got great liberty. But you know what? Uh, you ever, you ever uh, feel like, uh, you know, sometimes in our minds, and I believe sometimes the devil does this, is you, people are sitting there and they're just critiquing everything. I don't like that. I'm like, did you hear what, you know? And that's not supposed to be our attitude when we come to the house of God. I'm not saying that I'm going to say everything right. But the truth of the matter is, can you give me some grace today? Because I'm a man. And the, the truth of the matter is, is I hope you know my heart. I love Jesus, and I love you. And I, I really am just trying to convey a message that God put on my heart. And although I may not exegete everything the way that you would like, I, 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 uh, I am here to, if you would, preach because this is where God's placed me and planted me. And by the way, he knows my imperfections. And can I share something with you? He's dealing with me about them. And I, I'm, I'm trying to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ just like you are. But we're not enemies. We're friends. Get this. The church is not out to get you or destroy your marriage or your family or your home life. We're not enemies. And sometimes I, I see families that kind of look at the church, you know, sideways a little bit and say, well, you know, we're, they're going to cause problems. For, the church never, doesn't cause problems for the home. doesn't cause problems for the marriage. When we're all on the same page, it brings honor and glory to the Lord. We can work together. Could you imagine if somebody inside the wall there decided, well, you know, Nehemiah, that's just not what we want to do. We don't see that, you know, th that way. We would rather just kind of, you know, while other people are on the wall and they're holding the bows and the, and the, and the swords and the spears and they're doing the work, we really would rather spend some time playing Scrabble or doing something else and we're not really interested in doing any of those things. And so, you know, that's just, that's just us, that's you. But the truth of the matter is here it is. I don't have a problem with Scrabble, by the way. I like it. But I do want to say this. There's a time for us to all get busy working. You understand? There's a time for us all to come together and work. And uh, partly that's, you know, I don't know whether you like 11 a.m. worship service and 5 p.m. evening service or whether you like the midweek service at 7 o'clock. I understand that everybody has different time frames and schedules. But we got a time where we call everybody together. You know, they blew the trumpet when everybody came together. We worship together. We come together. We work together. I understand that we all have differing schedules, and I'm not trying to beat anybody up about your schedule. You do what the Lord leads you to do, but what I'm telling you is, is we're together on this. We're, we're a unified body. Let's not, let's not look at ourselves as individuals. Let's, let's say, hey, we're, we're the body of Christ together. We're working together. And by the way, I can't get it done without you, and you can't get it done without me. We're a team. We're a team. And we're here to work together for the cause of Christ. We're not enemies. There's enough dangers around us. There's criticism. There's conspiracy. There's complaints. Come on, complaints. Some of the complaints here uh, in these verses came from inside the walls. They didn't all come from outside. Sometimes that's what happens. And, and criticism, if you listen to it long enough, you'll start to become a complaint. You know, um, I don't know where the complaint department is in the church. I, we don't really have one. I, sometimes I think people think that's the prayer request card. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not the complaint department. You know, I understand that there might be some things, uh, you know, uh, this morning, uh, last night, I don't think even people know, the last three days, 
You know, everybody got snow, you know, around your house. We did too. The, the church did too. You know, just like, uh, you know, it took some sh- shoveling and things at your home. It, it took some of that too here to prepare. And, you know, uh, there's some people that worked really hard to get the walks. And then last night it snowed, like, kind of late. And so this morning people were out here working again, trying to get some things done. And, and really just a couple people and individuals. And you know what the worst thing that that person could hear? Well, nobody, nobody shoveled the walks. I'm just telling you because sometimes that's what happens in church. Well, who, you know, who did this? Who did that? Well, nobody, well, I wish, that, I, wish the par, I wish the parking lot was paved too, friend. I mean, I wish there was a lot of things that maybe we could improve on and help with, but the truth of the matter is, is we're not here to complain. We're here to work. We're here to serve. We're here to labor. Yeah, if you can find some things wrong, join the club. Join the crowd. Everybody can do that. But the truth of the matter is, is not everybody's going to show up to work and try to help and fix that problem. I, I like what uh, one preacher said. He said, if, if you notice the problem, then God probably put that in your heart so that you could help fix it. If, if you see something that's maybe not right, maybe God's putting that in your heart so you can get involved in that area and serve so that you can help. Not everybody wants to, to hear about the problems. Uh, a lot of people like to offer uh, the, their uh, advice and opinion, but nobody likes to get involved in work. There's dangers that are around us. Here's a word of advice for all the complainers. The man who says it can't be done should never interrupt the man who is actually doing it. It's the truth. And sometimes that's what happens. And uh, I refuse to believe to God that told us I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I refuse to believe that there's things that can't be done that God's called us to do. Because where God calls us, He provides, He strengthens, He meets the needs. There's the dangers around them, but number two, there was the deity above them. There was the deity above them. You know, when the attacks came, Nehemiah and his men did the right thing. They turned to God in faith. They exercised the privilege of prayer. Look at uh, chapter 4, verse number 4. He said, hear, hear, O our God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. You know, they prayed. They said, Lord... We understand that we're not able to do this without you. It's not about so much the dangers around us, but we're acknowledging the deity that's above us. He sees all things. He knows the circumstances. And if you notice in verse number 4, the leaders prayed. In verse 5, the leaders prayed. But look at verse number 9, the laborers prayed. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. Notice it went from leaders praying to laborers praying. You know, I believe leaders ought to pray, but I believe laborers ought to pray too. I believe we all, men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's what the Bible says. And I believe the strength of the local New Testament church is in the prayers of God's people. You know, I'm so encouraged every morning on Sunday morning when I get up and I have messages on my phone that says, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Or brother in Christ and pastors... Uh, that encourage my heart on, on, on Sunday mornings and just say, hey, uh, God put you on my heart, I'm praying for you today. You know what I know? That I can't get it done, but perhaps the prayers of effectual, fervent, uh, effectual righteous men, fervent praying uh, is availing much here in this place. I really say, I, I told God that last night. I said, Lord, if anything happens, it's, it's not because of me or even my prayers. I really believe it's the prayers of God's people being faithful in praying and petitioning God That deity above them, the leaders prayed, the laborers prayed. Number three, the duties assigned them. The duties assigned them. You know, I want you to note here, they didn't just pray about the work and think that they were finished. 
You see that? They say, God, help the work to get done. Lord, we really want to pray that this gets done. In Jesus' name, amen, we're done. That's not what they did. They prayed, and then they got up and labored. Because they knew that their labor would not be in vain in the Lord. Our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our labor is in vain in our flesh. When we try to labor in the flesh, although we may get a lot done that people see, it's not what we see and what others see. It's what God sees that matters. I believe when God looks on our hearts, He wants to see a spirit of prayer in us. He wants to see a, a, a spirit, if you would, of, 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 of our acknowledgement that we're not able to do it without Him. Jesus said, without me you can do what? Nothing. Does that mean nothing can be accomplished in the flesh? No, it doesn't mean that nothing can be accomplished in the flesh. That's not what that verse means. Let me just be honest. I look out on a congregation of very capable, educated, and very gifted and talented people this morning. And so when I look at you, I'm not going to tell you that you can't accomplish anything. Because the truth of the matter is, is the saying is true. If you put your mind to it, you can get a lot done. But here's the thing. We want to do more than what our minds can accomplish. We want to do more in the local New Testament church than what our bodies can do. I want to be as sharp in my mind and my body as I possibly can so that I can be used for the service of the Lord. But the truth of the matter is, is I understand that it's not about my charisma, my personality, my education, my ability to exegete God's word. It's not about those things. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about his Holy Spirit's enabling. And his job is to reach you spiritually this morning. I'm going to, honestly, if, a, if an NFL football coach can prepare and pour himself over plays and, and videos and all these kind of things and, and do all those things for the game, and I love it, I think it's wonderful. As a preacher of God who has a high calling of God in Christ Jesus, I am just as much about preparation, I think, as any CEO or anything. I think, boy, this is just as important. In other words, I don't just walk into the house of God on Sunday morning and think, Boy, I just hope that when I open up the Word of God, there'll be a good message here. <laughs> Come on. I mean, that would be foolish. That would be silly. And by, boy, by the way, uh, if you teach a Sunday school class, don't show up late and think that everything's going to get done spiritually. Show up early. Be prayed up. Be prepared to serve the Lord and, and say, hey, we're here to do a job, a task that's greater than us, and, and we don't even know who we're reaching or, or how we're going to impact them, missionaries and, and future leaders in their homes and perhaps even in our church. I'm thankful for those that will be raised up in the church of God that are going to stay here. They're not going to go somewhere else, but they're going to stay here and, and labor and work a job and, uh, to, to God's honor glory and, and serve in the local New Testament church. I think that's a wonderful thing. You know what we're doing? We're training the next generation here. And uh, it's important that we say this is an important task. Uh, I'm glad that uh, my children, when they go to Sunday school, they come home and they say, I learned this about the Bible. And uh, they know that their teacher loved them. They know that their teacher prayed and prepared for those messages. They come home on Wednesday nights and say, boy, we learned this song and we learned these verses and we heard this message. And I listen to that stuff and I say, boy, it's good to be in God's house. I'm thankful for the investments of others into my family. I'm not going to stand there and say, well, I can just get it all done by myself. Well, I'm not going to shirk my responsibility. I'm going to do the best I can as a parent, but I'm thankful for the church of God. I'm thankful that I walk into God's house. There's a congregation, a group of people that equally care for my family like I care for theirs. And I'm so glad for that, to be part of God's house. There's duties that are assigned to us. Notice they were united in the process of the work. Look at verse number six. So built we the what? 
the wall. And all the wall was joined together into the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. There's a process here. And, I mean, they didn't just say, boy, we really hope that if we just run around, you know, and, 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 and just kind of like get excited and run around that the wall is going to build. There was a process. Somebody had to say, okay, it's time to do this. It's time to do this. We've got to put these things together. We're trying to work together to see this thing accomplished. It's easy for the person carrying the bricks to think their job is insignificant. You with me? Because he doesn't hold the blueprints. It's easy sometimes for us as laborers. I'm just a co-laborer with Christ. Sometimes really my job, I'm just carrying bricks. And I don't see the whole wall for the brick that's in my hand. But I understand that that brick that I'm carrying is important. Because without that brick, the next layer is not laid. It's kind of like, you know, the way that we serve. Sometimes you think, well, it's not important if I... If I'm a greeter in the hallway or if I help in the parking lot or if I teach in the children's church or I show up here or I do this or, or I hand out bulletins or I shovel walks or I take out the trash or I clean the nursery or I vacuum the floors. Listen, sometimes for the brick that's in our hand, we'll miss the big picture of the wall. But I'm telling you that it is all important. It is all important. It's all for the Lord. I'd rather be the doorkeeper in the house of God. I'd ra- I mean, I'd rather just, just stand in the door in the house of God than to be part of some organization where my investments are not going into my spiritual bank, if you would. Because there's a, there's a bank in heaven, the Bible says I'm supposed to be laying up treasure in. And moth and dust don't corrupt there. And thieves don't break in and steal there. And, and, and fires don't burn there. And problems don't arise there. My investment continues to multiply and build there. You can never make too many investments into the kingdom of God. It's so important that we understand that, that we look at, listen, every dollar you pay. Uh, as a church, we say 10% of what's given goes to uh, uh, local New Testament missions. I hope you think about that when you drop a dollar in the offering plate, that every dollar that you drop in, 10 cents goes to missions. It doesn't just stay here. We're giving to missions. You know, as our general fund increases, we may, de- we may decide as a church, we want to vote 12% goes to mission. I'm all for it. But what I'm saying is, is I'm glad that every part matters. Let me tell you this, that dollar matters to the missionary that gets it. It does. Sometimes it can be the, it can be the, uh, the, the, the thing that comes in the mail that keeps them in the ministry sometimes, where they're discouraged and all of a sudden they get something and they're encouraged because it keeps them going. I can't tell you sometimes a, a letter of thanks, sometimes a letter of gratitude, sometimes a thank you note keeps me in the right frame of mind for the work of God. I can't tell you how important it is. Some of you think, all I can do, I, I don't have, I, I can't really work or labor because I, I don't have the wherewithal in my body because I'm disabled or I have other problems. I can't do it. Listen, the work of prayer and encouragement is just as important as any other work in a local New Testament church. I can't tell you there's people that call me every month and I know when I pick up the phone, they're going to encourage me. I, there's people in our church, and by the way, you wouldn't know them, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice it, you wouldn't see it, but I tell you, those people, they, they, they minister. It's like, it's like cold water in the desert sometimes, I tell you. I mean, I feel like, boy, after I walk away from that, I mean, I feel like I can go another 15 rounds. I mean, I feel like I can do it again. God renews me day by day, you know, through the encouragement of God's people. They were united in the process of the work. Number two, they were united in the protection of the work. Look at verse number nine. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. They united in the process, but they united in the protection. While they all worked, they also all watched. Did you get that? 
It didn't say that some of them worked and some of them, some of them watched. It said they all worked, they all watched. There wasn't anybody that didn't have a part. Can I tell you that the watchmen were just as important as the workers? And the workers just as important as the watchmen? And one could not do their job without the other. We need workers and watchmen. We both need to be, hey, we need to say in our lives, I've got to be both. I've got to be a workman and a watchman. I've got to be willing to stand on the wall and look for the enemies. And I've got to be willing at the same time to pick up a, an axe, a shovel, a hammer, and get busy about the work of God. Uh, there's a, a time where nobody's going to be able to work. There's a, a time where the Lord is going to come back. And Hey, listen, we'll have rest for all eternity. We'll sleep when we get to heaven, if you would. I, I'm telling you, rest and take care of your body and be a good steward of the things that God gives you. But don't make those excuses for why you cannot work for the Lord. We've got to work. We've got to labor. We live in a generation that's afraid of the word work. Wants somebody else to do it. Says it's not my job. Come on, we've got enough people saying it's not my job. Whose job is it? It's our job. We've got to work together. They were united in the process of the work. They were united in the protection of the work. Can I say this? The strongest walls are useless if the gates are weak. The strongest walls are useless if the gates are weak or if the gatekeepers are careless or disloyal. The Great Wall of China was penetrated by enemies at least three times, and each time the guards were bribed. The truth of the matter is, it didn't matter how big and great the wall was or how strong the gates were, if the watchers, the watchmen, could be bought, bribed, or pulled off of their task or job, there was danger for the people behind the walls. You know, every day as an American, I'm thankful for a great country and a great military who fights for the freedoms that we enjoy. And I know that it's not perfect, and I know that the day that we live in, the government is not without corruption, all those things. But I'd rather not be the Debbie Downer this morning, if you would. I'd, I'd rather not be the one that has uh, the, the problem to point out. I'm, I'm thankful for the men that in our nation, when there were great problems, they were men of great integrity and character and could stand up and say, although there are great problems, we will stand for the right. We will stand for what's right. We will stand for what's good. We're not going to quit because there's corruption. We're not going to disengage because there's problems. Listen, I understand there's problems in every organization that's in this world. But the truth of the matter is Christians don't need to pull themselves out of them because there's problems. We need to rush into them. We need to, we need to say, hey, we've got to be part of this. Uh, not just. I, I don't want to just be a man that prays for my country. I want to be a man that's busy seeing righteousness exalted in it. I want to make an impact and a difference for the cause of Christ in our generation. I believe, yes, as goes the family, so goes the church, and as goes the church, goes the country. And that's partly why I've invested my life in doing what God's called me to do here in this place. And I believe it's important, by the way, what we're doing here this morning. I don't really think that you give up your Sunday morning. You, listen, you could be sleeping. You could be resting. You could be spending time with family. You could be doing a lot of other things. And so, you know what? People come into the church... I really recognize something. They believe in this. They believe that this is important. And, and by the way, you know what I want to do when you come in? I don't want to waste your time. I know that your time is very important. I know that your family is very important to you. I know that time is very important. And I know that when you come here, you believe in something, and you want to be part of this process, if you would. You want to be united in the process of the work. You want to be united in the protection of the work. And how about this? United in the progress of the work. Don't we want to move forward? You say, uh, Pastor, you're always saying we need to move forward because 
when do we need to stop moving forward? We've got to keep moving forward. I understand sometimes it's tiring, but we've got to press on, if you would. Paul said, I press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's a pressing to the day that we live in. I know there's a depressing side to it as well, but there's a pressing need that weighs on my heart. Come on, it's that thing that drives me to my knees in prayer. How about you? Because I feel the pressure. I feel the need. United in the progress of the work, as this work progressed, they were all in it together until it was accomplished. When I came here, as far as the building was concerned, I saw a great foundation that was laid. And you know what I didn't want to do? I didn't want to take it for granted. And I believe the best way to not take a great foundation for granted is to build on it. You with me? Some people like to break it down, criticize it, or lay their name on top of it. But the truth of the matter is, is I didn't lay the foundation, and I haven't built on it. Jesus Christ builds on it. Jesus Christ is the foundation. And here's the truth this morning. We can all be busy in the work. And the best way for us to appreciate the foundations we've been given is to build on them. We have got to build. We've got to move forward. There's areas of our property and building that are not yet developed. Does that mean we've failed? No. But it means we've got work to do. Are you with me? It means there's things to accomplish. Let me, let me ask you a question. If there's an area of your house that was left undone, would you feel the pressing need to finish? I think that you would. This is God's house. I think we ought to feel the pressing need to finish. We understand that it's going to cost us and it's going to be inconvenient on many levels, but what part of God's work is convenient to our flesh or to us or our desires? United in the progress of the work, I said there was the dangers around them, the deity above them, the duties assigned them, and lastly this morning, the, de- the de- determinations about them. Excuse me, the determinations about them. You know, they needed to remember what they were fighting for, and so does this church. And by the way, let me tell you something. We're, not, we're fighting for a lot bigger things than what have been kind of made the big issues in church. I think these are small issues that have been made large, and they've caused us to not look on the greatest issues that are in the world today. Sometimes we uh, live in a little bit of a bubble, don't we? And we don't think about the biggest issues that are around us today. One thing that I'm praying about tomorrow as I board a plane to head to Africa is that God changes me. I really mean that. Because I want to be what I should be. And I understand that my view has a lot to do with the direction of this church because God's placed me here. And I want God to change my heart and how I view the gospel in the world. And I also want to be part of God's great plan in reaching the world with the gospel. And I know that me going to Africa is very small. It's more for, I mean, if I'm being selfish, it's more for me, really, than I think it is for them. I, I told Brother Warner that. I said, I said, honestly, I don't want to be selfish, but I'm really praying that God changes me. I'm not here to bring great change to your ministry. I think your ministry is probably great. I'm hoping that God changes my heart. And God allows me to see things that will make me different as a man. Because I believe that if I've got the right view, it's going to help our church. And I hope that you'll pray that God does that for me. The truth of the matter is, is we have a great big world that we live in. It's very big, isn't it? So much bigger than the area that we live in. When those disciples were called and Jesus told them, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the othermost parts of the world, that was a big task. It's bigger than them. You know what I understand about this every day? This is so much bigger than me. 
It's not even about me. But it's about Jesus. And I'm glad to be about his business. And I'm glad I get to serve with great people like you. Because I know we're not perfect, but we do have a perfect God. And uh, I know there'll be critics and complainers and a lot of controversy and problems if we seek to do great things for the Lord. But I believe we have a great God that can accomplish great things through us if we're willing to allow him to do what he wants in us and through us and not limit God. I, you know what I understand? If, if God is limited in this place, it's because of me, it's because of you. It's not because of him. Maybe our lack of faith or maybe our lack of perspective when it comes to who God is. But there were some determinations about that. Look at verse number 14. We're going to close with this. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord. It's a great statement. Underline it at least in your mind. Which is great and terrible. And fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. Do you see that call? No greater speech, if you would, to a group of people perhaps one of the greatest in the Bible. He said, remember your Lord, remember your God and fight. Notice that we're fighting for their faith. More was at stake in Jerusalem than a wall. Can I say this? More is at stake in our world than Open Door Bible Baptist Church and our buildings. More is at stake. Do we make a difference? Yes, we do. Does it matter? Yes, yes, it does. I'm glad that what we're doing counts for the Lord. We've got to fight. Nehemiah knew that the very worship of Jehovah was in the balance. Remember, as you pray and labor for your church, that the future of your worship is at stake. What you do now will determine the atmosphere of worship in this church for a long time to come. Do you believe that? I believe that this morning when we worship God, it made a difference in future generations. You know, as the kids look at us worship God, do they see spirit and in truth? Do they see facades, fakes? going through the motions, singing a bunch of words that don't mean anything to our hearts. Jesus said, you've honored me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Come on, I don't want to be that way. How about you? Fighting for their faith. Number two, fighting for their families. Nehemiah knew that the struggles was for the very lives of their families. If they succeeded, their families would live. If they failed, then they would all die. The struggle in this church is just as real today. If you're fighting to maintain a place of worship that will impact your families... You know, be careful that you take the time to count the cost for the families and the community as you seek the Lord and the work in this church. Fighting for their faith, fighting for their families, and then lastly, fighting for their future. Why are we investing the future? I hope that, that one day, that when God's done with me here, that I'll know and uh, that I'll be willing to pass it on to whoever God has to come after me should he tarry. And uh, honestly... I want to be preparing those people now, whoever that is. Uh, I was raised in this church. I was five years old when we first came here. I don't think anybody in the church knew that I would be the pastor, but I'm glad they invested in me. You understand that because of somebody's investment, the future of our church, it counts. And I'm not the future of the church. We are the future here, together. But what I'm saying to you is is that I don't know who it is. I don't know who the next pastor of our church or the Lord Terry, but I know I'm not going to be here forever, and I know I'm not living forever. And so I want to be busy about investing in the future of this place. You know what I understand really in my ministry? That much much of what I finish and see finish and accomplish 
in my ministry really is not for my benefits, for the benefit of those that come after. And I'm okay with that. How about you? Because if my kids have a better world and a better place because of my investments, I think that's a life worth spending, worth living. And that's what I'm all about. For your kids, for my kids, for this next generation, for the people that will move into this area in the next decade, I want them to know that not only there's a God in heaven, but there's a church here that loves them, will teach them the word of God, and where they can plug in their families, and hey, we can have great victory as Christians in the world that we live in. I don't know about you, but I just want to pluck one more from the fire. How about you? It takes compassion to make a difference to do that. It takes real love, and what's love without commitment? An engaged church is a committed church. We've got to be committed to some of these things despite what we see around us, knowing who is above us. Hey, doing what's assigned to us and being determined to what God wants us to do together. Father, I pray that you help us this morning. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.